So hi everybody, rest is over, it's back to work. <laughs> so I thought we might start with a meditation and then uh, get into it. Maybe start one of, the, one of those beautiful images from Victor or George. Right in the vertical alignment. And maybe reflecting back to your work of best and worst. And are these essential pieces? These are vibrations of energy in your body mind that you're offering on the altar. And just allow them to vibrate up that central dark column without worrying about bringing them to awareness. Just let the energy vibrate up. particularly if you have anything in your emotional body that is desperately longing for something to be different. Just feed that energy in as well. Emotional longing for change, demand for change. And vibrate that up vertically with your breath, the sound and movement if you need to. See if you can lift up through the crown into the causal realm. And if you get escape velocity and you get into that pristine light of the soul, then just support others to rise. Let's feel the group coming aware on causal levels. If you can turn your inner gaze on that field of lotuses. And feel the beauty of the subtle worlds.
and calling in not only your own shamanic energies, but the shamanic energies of nature, the spirit of the kingdoms of nature, call them in to join us. And feel that being from the cosmic astral of Varuna energy wrapping around the group soul, washing love through the field. And then activating the central jewel and sending up the leader is that all of that energy, that longing. Rush up through the jewel like a plasma beam into the void. And then letting the darkness descend, or if you're still in awareness, turn the jewel of awareness on itself and see if you can penetrate into the emptiness that way. And just gradually become absorbed in the dark.
Now see if you can ride that edge between awareness and emptiness. Where you're absorbed in the dark, but also subtly aware. Just stay on that edge for a minute. Now staying on that edge, just inviting the dark to begin to vortex down into your body mind. Clearing and purifying. Let's see if you can keep your awareness on the edge of the void. Clearing the mind. The emotional body. And then coming down through the chakras into the physical body. And see if you can let it meet the dark light in the atoms, in matter, in the earth.
few more deep breaths. Coming back into awareness. of the different pieces that are happening in the field, the artwork and the synergies, meetings and so on. And now that the temple trainings are over, probably a lot more time for um, dark creativity. So later on, we'll share a little bit about what's where the synapses are forming in the field. But I wanna share a little bit about the transmission today for me and um, as has happened a few times before now, it started to come in over three days. So it's like, it's not just coming in at 10 o'clock Wednesday, it's bleeding through, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, different pieces coming through. So I feel like that is a good sign. And also maybe it's the field is like um, expanding, the field of dark is expanding. So the piece that was um, really alive for me is the event horizon between emptiness and awareness. And one of the things that we've been working with a lot is what is the effect of emptiness or the darkness or the Shambhala force or the monad, what is its effect on consciousness and form? Because we're preparing for this Shambhala impact in 2025. So what can we expect? And, and of course, part of that has been that when darkness, when emptiness comes into awareness, because it's the source of light, it makes more light. So the fastest way to expand consciousness is to add darkness because it makes the stars shine brighter. It makes light supernova. It, um, a little bit of dark supernovas consciousness. So that's the effect in awareness. And then when it comes into form, it straightens form because form is expressing the current evolutionary becoming of the being of the dark. So when being sounds its note, it impacts directly to the form, like the blueprint impacting the imperfect clay and causing it to accelerate and straighten towards its blueprint. So that's the effect on, on matter or form of the dark um, coming in through awareness. But it hasn't really explored, okay, so, if you gaze into the deep, it gazes into you. What's the effect of awareness on emptiness? And so just like on the mental plane, the mental plane is the place where the soul and the personality dance. That's where you have your mental breakdown on the fourth subplane of the mental plane where your mind has to decide, am I a soul in a body mind or am I a body mind who has a soul? Like that critical moment is in the, the mid plane of the mental plane. That's what people like go through, you know, an initiatory crisis. Like, who am I? Am I the soul or am I the body mind? 
but they're evenly balanced in the middle of the mental plane. And that dance between higher and lower mind is the dance between the mind that knows science and logic and tells you not to be naive and, and the mind that knows sacred geometry and the mystery of music and the spheres. And so that um, event horizon of the mind is between the higher and lower mind, between wisdom and knowledge. And all of us, when we make the journey into soul, have to negotiate that barrier and, and decide we're one over the other. So at that point, that's when the mysteries of the soul are coming in and everything that we know from the body-mind and they're coming in and they're impacting each other and, and you know playing their game of merging. But the higher octave of that is where on the atmic plane, where the soul and the purpose of the soul, like the pure awareness of the at the core of the soul meets the dark. Okay, so that's again like an event horizon of a black hole, but now it's like pure light and pure dark dancing. And um, just like, you know, tidal zones, like between the ocean and the land are very, very fertile or between the magnetosphere of the earth and the, and the rays of the sun, amazing aurora borealis. So on that plane, the middle of the atmic plane, just like the middle of the mental plane, huge activity because two very powerful energies are coming together and they are, they are um, dancing. So, you know, in the non-dual tantra traditions, they talk about the marriage of awareness and emptiness causing bliss. And that bliss is a kind of fertility. It's a, it's the higher creativity. There's a creativity on the mind when your, when your mind becomes awakened to soul. And so lots of ideas and so on are pouring in. Ideas are like the creativity of mind. And if you stop copywriting them, then they just keep pouring in. Okay, so that's the creative energy at the level of mind. But the higher octave of that is the energy of purpose, like the dark purpose, which is never to be known in the higher atmic plane and the, the energy of purpose at the core of your soul, that deep sense of what is most sacred to you, they start to dance up there. And that dance empowers the soul. So just like at the level of mind, the dance makes the mind come alive and fertile with imagination and creativity the dance of between emptiness and awareness is like a life-death dance of the soul. That, that dance brings power and purpose to the soul, more to the soul. So it said that on its own plane, the monad is unconscious. So spirit, darkness is pure spirit and it's unaware. So when you go up above the atmic plane onto the monad of the higher plane, there's no awareness. The awareness is there from the atmic plane down. So when awareness goes to emptiness, it's like it's dancing with its own death because it can't actually, if it goes too far, it doesn't exist. So it's got to kind of stay on that edge, on that event horizon edge where awareness has been burst all of the time out of the potential darkness. So he's, he's opening up today, okay, so these three analogies is our human personality and our monad. 
So, and that bridge by our soul, the soul is like the awareness that builds a bridge between the unconscious life and darkness of the monad and the self-awareness of our body mind. So the soul itself is awareness, but self-awareness is a product of manas and a product of the individual self. So a lot of soul initiation work is to surrender the individual self to become the awareness, but then you still have an, an individual self that you can work through. So on the individual, it's the monad personality that are brought together by the soul. On our collective earth, it's Shambhala and humanity that are brought together by hierarchy or the world soul. And cosmically, it's a planet like earth and the center of the galaxy. Okay, and alcohol cosmology he said, when a planet like earth is able collectively to um, register its origin, the center of the galaxy, then that's experienced by earth as the coming of an avatar, the coming of the dark, the coming of the collective being um, of life, our origin made present in our awareness. But what, it, what happens at the core of the galaxy is what's registered there is a returning dragon. The dragon has returned to its original source. So this is the, the big journey, you know, of becoming aware over the last hundred years or so that we are orbiting a black hole at the center of the galaxy and going into atoms and so on. So as human awareness has become aware of the dark, then that dark is present in human awareness. So, you know, he's given us a lot on the effect of that, the effect of that dark on our awareness. But now he's saying that awareness affects the dark. And it doesn't ultimately affect it in the sense that the darkness is absolute darkness, absolute spirit. Therefore, it can't ever be aware. But awareness unfolds more layers of itself out of the dark. So the dark is like pure potential or energy. When awareness touches it, it, it fructifies it. It causes that dark to give off more layers of awareness. So there is a, so you could say on one level that the awareness causes the darkness to become more aware. Not in itself, but as a result of that awareness impacting the darkness. So this has huge ramifications because it's um, it's not just like you go to the dark and it's absolute and it's unaffected by anything. It is affected. So there is energy that that opens the dark into more life. <coughs> so the the analogy that he gave is is that um, and, and he said these are just analogies so don't take them too seriously but um your awareness your normal awareness is probably unaware of your body most of the time until something in your body calls it so let's say you bang your knee now your awareness is aware of your knee hey but before that it was probably thinking about lunch or something so awareness responds to energy that is sent from the body Okay, and the other example is a ray of light. So when we, 
when we look out and see a leaf, what we're really seeing is a light ray from the sun being absorbed, all of the colors except green being absorbed by the leaf and a ray of green light coming into our pupil and then turning upside down on our retina or whatever, someone who understands optics can probably give us a good explanation of that. But that ray of light flowing in is what allows us to look out and see the leaf. And he gave a very powerful you know, meditation, which was that when an object emanates a ray of light into a pupil, it's identical with a ray of dark coming out of the pupil and passing into the object. It's identical. It's just two different ways of seeing the same thing. So when a ray of light passes into the pupil, it's the same thing as a ray of dark passing through the pupil into the object. And we haven't even really begun to measure yet the effect of the human gaze, the difference in quality between the gaze of a personality and the gaze of a soul. What is this power of the directed awareness of a human soul? So imagine the power of the directed awareness of a galaxy, of the being that is a galaxy. And because what he's saying is that the monad is the equivalent to the logos of the planet as the third eye is to man. Okay, so our soul looks through our third eye and gazes into the world. These bigger beings look through the monad. So Shambhala is a great pupil. Our monad is a small pupil as part of the Shambhala energy. And the galaxy itself is a pupil. So in the realm of manifest form, we just measure these energies that you know we call life and awareness and form and so on. But they're all just part of the manifestation of the universe. What is it that's looking through the pupils of all of the galaxies? And when, how do we get its attention? And what is the effect of that attention? Because it's not measurable of anything scientific or it's not, it's not in the realm of manifestation. It's in the realm of, of a much higher level of awareness than we have any access to. So to us, it's totally dark. So um, this has real ramifications to us on an individual level and on a planetary level. Because what happens on an individual level is that when you get to the second degree, the second initiation, simultaneously two things happen. A ray of dark comes from the monad and a cry goes up from the body-mind via the soul. And just like they're identical, you can't say one happens first. You can't say the cry goes up and then the response happens. They they're the same. The invocation is the evocation. They're the same thing that happens at a particular time. So the experience of that to the personality is what's called the light which shocks. In other words, a ray of dark coming into the personality totally obliterates the personality's idea of who it is. 
And what is revealed in that ray is its selfishness and its separateness and its impossible, you know, loop that it's got itself into. So when that, at the same time that that light which shocks is coming into the personality and it sees how caught up it is in its never ending emotional reality, it sends out a cry. And that cry is like the ray of light that goes at the same time as the light which shocks comes in. It's a, it's a cry for help by the imprisoned soul, imprisoned in its astrality, knowing it wants to be free, having a momentary hit of its essential divinity, and it calls for help. In that moment, the, the second degree is taken with a touch of monadic impact. That monadic impact is like a mini Shambhala impact. Okay, and that allows the second degree to be taken. And from then on, between the second and the fourth degree, that st stable contact with the monad increases. So humanity itself is, and the earth itself is taking the second cosmic initiation. So, and because most of humanity is locked in their astral bodies or their emotional bodies, the great cry of help is building. And it will reach its peak in 2025 when the Shambhala impact comes. And it's not like the Shambhala impact is coming because we're crying for help or we're crying for help because it's coming. It's like they're identical. They're the same thing. A ray of dark and a ray of light are the same thing. So as you know, we feel through time that impact coming, the cry of humanity is going up. That's the emotional leader and it's said that that depth of the emotional body the parts that are unsolarized in the emotional body that the energy that eventually at the fourth degree shatters the causal body so what he's saying is that awareness of the soul can dance with emptiness up on the atmic plane but if you want to penetrate the event horizon of the atmic plane into the dark you need that awareness of the soul to be shamanically empowered from the body-mind. Okay, so it's not enough for just our soul awareness to go into the dark. It needs to have come into the body and gathered all of the embodied shamanic energies to drive it up through the atmic plane. That's why in meditation, we not only gather our own best and worst and so on, but we gather the energies of the shamanic world that are seeking through humans to be part of that great um, bridge between uh, humanity and Shambhala. So if the shamanic energy gets behind the soul awareness and both of them are able to penetrate, it's registered. But it's not registered by anything that we can kind of understand. And then he says, okay, so in the past, shambolic impacts resulted in huge destruction because it's the note of life sounding through the soul. And because then there hasn't been response by the body-mind before, by humanity, then the result was an explosion of life, which is death. And the last major time that happened was at the Second World War. And so that explosion of dark on the soul realms resulted in 
the world wars were the upwelling of that dark and destruction in humanity and including on the physical plane, the atomic bombs. Again, the explosion of the dark in matter. So that, that all of that is, was just one thing happening, like the ray of light and the ray of dark. That was just one thing because at that time, humanity itself wasn't intelligently able to respond to the Shambhala force. And the, the image I had when that was coming through was like all of the major mass extinctions on the planet and the falls of civilization and so on. That's the life principle of earth. Like just, okay, you've come to this line and now death, everything destroyed or a chunk of stuff destroyed and now life and then death and then life and then death. And that's a slow but rhythmic way of producing evolution. And he was saying that Shambhala isn't aware of humanity. Just like the center of the galaxy is not aware of Earth. It just pulses its dark energy rhythmically. In the case of Shambhala, every hundred years or fractals thereof. Um, it's not trying to do anything. It's just sounding its note of life. And we're responding down here with life, death, life, death, life, death. But he's saying what is different this time is that hierarchy has educated humanity over time now to start to sensitize itself to the dark. So if humanity of incarnate human souls are able to respond to the dark directly, then that dark can pass through them consensually. It doesn't just have to explode at the realm of the soul, creating inevitable results in the realm of form. The difference is instead of it like being an explosion of the dark in the inner worlds, it's like laser, laser dark coming in. And ultimately through thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who are consenting to that dark to come through them. And what you have to give the dark, as he's saying, is you have self-awareness. The dark doesn't have self-awareness. It's just sounding the life and the purpose of the planetary evolution. But individual humans have self-awareness. And, and he says that the Shambhala force bestows life on the individualized incarnate soul but the individualized and incarnate soul bestows awareness on the dark. It's not like it gives awareness to the dark because the dark remains unaware, but as that ray of dark passes through, it participates in the personal awareness. So you, you become a personal aware sleeve for the dark to pass through, which means now that that dark is intelligent, it's not just blind, it's aware because humans are giving it awareness. So when we offer our, our best and our worst, for example, we're telling the ray where to strike, right? We're basically, when we are trying to lift the vibration, the shamanic vibration of the worst that we're not able to like move in us and the best, we're providing fuel and awareness so that that dark ray can target directly. And for initiates who are of the second degree or more, 
they are going to be the ones that bring that dark light in through them. And he says, the most important thing is use it on yourself first. Okay, don't try to direct the dark light to what you think is the best and worst of humanity, for example, because it's all in here. Like offer, you are the best and worst of humanity, so offer that and let it let the dark light come through. So the power of that is, you know, collectively expect over the next 10 years, the best and worst of humanity to rise. Like expect the light which shocks. We're going to see some really shocking things revealed in the pits of the human experience. All of the selfishness and all of the things that come up when the shocking light hits, we're going to see that it's coming up. But we're also going to see the best of the human spirit in the next 10 years as well. So that acts as fuel to call the dark. It's almost like all over the planet, let's say there's millions of initiates starting to tune to the dark light. They're like, you know, dark needles that the Shambhala impact can land through. And they are sources then of life and death in their environment. They are agents of that life and death. And the three energies that Shambhala brings in, which is destruction and of all forms that need to, to go and all ideas that are outworn. It's just, they're just taken out. And the next thing is the purification of what's left and then the reorganizing it into a pattern. And the way that's been done in the past is normally through periods of destruction and then life comes again, you know, like, you know, it's like uh, all of the life in the David Attenborough thing growing through now, like life comes back. But this is the first time that, that, that destructive energy, the life energy can be used intelligently because humanity is intelligent. We, we give our intelligence to it. But the big danger of that is that you have to actually surrender to it yourself. And I had this amazing image, which I, I don't know, it didn't come through the transmission, but it's like, if you were really trying to create a new civilization without like destroying the old one, how would you do it? And like, so here was my idea that Anyone who is willing to die, you know, means they actually have to have got past the ego. So you choose them. Okay. So in other words, anyone who's willing, it's a bit like, you know, if you, if you really want to become, um, you know, a teacher, you can't. But if you're willing to die for the sake of the earth, if you're willing to give up your life, your individual, you know, right to an individual identity for the sake of the collective journey of the earth, if you're willing to do that, then you're opening to the dark because you're opening to the deeper truth that you are the earth and that you are everything, not just this individual self. So then you can send up a leader. Now, if you if if you wanted to change civilization, so you kept all of those that were spiritually awake and alive, and you wiped out everything else, then you would do like the reverse, like a ray of light is a ray of dark. Everyone willing to die, keep them. Everyone unwilling to die, wipe them out. So I'm not saying that that's what's happening, but I'm saying that's the intelligent use of life and death. 
Hey, to, to go where the life is already awake and to bless that, to grow that, and anywhere where it's blocked, to allow that energy of life to have its natural consequence. What he did say, though, was um, anyone willing, you know, to be used in that way, their life will be reinforced. And what's going to be at the core of that is you have to be willing to die, but wanting to live. Okay, so willing to die, but wanting to live, then then that willingness is the consensual power for the life force to hit you and expand your life. But there will also be an opportunity for those who are wanting to die. And, you know, this is a terrible place that we are as humanity, because on the one hand, we have all of our ethics and morals and so on. Uh, but on the other hand, we see 8 billion humans now in a very crisis and emergency situation with the planet. So from the planet's perspective, humans are a problem. And us saving every life and making sure everybody is cared for is not necessarily in the advantage of the earth itself. So humans, if they are really the earth and not just identified with being a human, have to wake up to the situation that they're part of and that they're causing and seek solutions that are beyond just putting their head in the sand. And so the best place for those solutions is not our own minds and our own intelligence, and, but it's a call to help from those sources which are behind planetary evolution in the first place. We can't decide, so we, but we can give our intelligence and our awareness and our will to the impersonal energies which underlie evolution and allow an intelligent use of that destructive power rather than it's just widespread annihilation. So that kind of puts a, um, a deep responsibility on those who are aware of the dark because if they're calling it through themselves, they're calling um, pure, the pure energy of life and death. And the interesting thing about it is that the most powerful use of, it, of your will in that regard is not when you're looking into the world, deciding what's the best and what's the worst, or even into your own life, deciding what's best and what's worst. It's when you're not looking into the world, but you're looking directly to the moment. Because then your ray of light is not going out into the world. Your ray of light is going in to the dark. And when your ray of light is going into the monad, now the ray of dark can shine through you in a way that's unaffected by your, your intelligence. Okay, because your intelligence will try to direct it. Even at the best, most surrendered place, we're still going to have opinions and we're still going to like, you know, want to preserve, not that, don't take that, take that. You know, like we're, we're going to do that. So that's why absolute power corrupts, you know, that you can't, you can't give those powers to human consciousness. Human consciousness has to be given to those powers. So the purest way to work with the dark is to know that when you are absorbed in the dark, when your awareness has gone to the dark, that's allowing the dark to flow through you into the world. 
without your will or intention behind it. Okay, that, so that's the purest use of the dark, which means time spent in meditation, and I don't mean sitting there trying not to think, I mean time spent in deep absorption in the dark is one of the most powerful things you can do for the planet. Because as a human being, you're a bridge between the third aspect, humanity, and Shambhala, allowing that energy to move through you into the world. And it's the purest way because there's no you in there. There's no you in there directing it. The second purest way is to gaze into the world with awareness that has been energized by the dark. Remember I said before that if you really want the truth of the power of manifestation, it's awareness with dark because the cosmic power, the rays pass through matter. And if you want to manifest something powerful in the world, if your awareness has dark, you will manifest that with a lot more power than anyone else who doesn't have dark because you've got cosmic rays or the equivalent passing through your awareness. So the next most pure way is as a soul, direct your awareness that has been absorbed in emptiness according to the deep sacred values at the core of your soul. So this is your soul ray, the power of your soul ray active. And by the way, he did something else which I thought was really interesting. And he said that when you send up your leader from the jewel along your soul ray, the response is the complementary color to your ray. Okay, just like in light, there's complementary colors and light and dark are, are, are one form of opposite. When you send up your soul ray, it's met with its complementary ray or color. But in a group, if you can send up what's called light supernal, which is the combined light of all of the seven rays, which is kind of interesting, the work that we just did in, in the temple training, that if in a group you can have all seven soul rays and combine them, now you have pure white light. And if that pure blue white light goes up through the jewel, it's met with a ray of pure dark, okay? The color is met with its complementary, pure white is met with pure dark. So in group formation, if we want to call in that ray of pure dark, it helps if we have synthesized the different ray energies in a group field so that their sacred cores are merged. Then we can um, call in the dark. Okay, so then the bigger picture in terms of the planet as well is if Earth as a being is taking the second cosmic initiation, then, then the whole energy of Earth is, and its awareness is turned towards the galactic center to allow, because we're taking the second, it will just be one hit, one Shambhala hit that in the outside, looks like it comes from the center of the galaxy, passes into the next dark center, which is Shambhala. From then it flows through into the ashrams. From the ashrams, it flows through into incarnate initiates, which are people in body minds, aware of who they are as soul. So then that ray of dark can flow through them. Then it anchors in the earth. Um, and then 
those beings all around the world, they become the temple of power. They become the agents of life and death between one civilization and the next. They become the energies that destruction and purification and reorganization can work through. So that's how our little self is hooked up to the bigger self of the planet, which is hooked up to all of why we do galactic cosmology and so on, because it's all just one line of energy. It's one ray of dark coming from the center of the galaxy through our bodies. And then next week, it was quite clear that, you know, if what the, what's the effect of awareness on emptiness, then that emptiness also exists in form. That's the black dragon. That's the energy that's in matter. So what's the effect of our awareness on that um, as it uh, arises? So um, for me, the, the, the takeouts of the, the transmission were one, start to, be, start to hang out on that area of awareness and emptiness. Just like when you're doing your sexual work, hanging out on the edge of orgasm without going over, like it develops something, it grows something in your being. So if your awareness can hang out on the edge of emptiness, not in full absorption and not, you know, like down in your mind, but in, in pure awareness, dancing on that very fertile zone, it's, it's deepening the power of your soul purpose. Because your soul purpose is lower at that and your soul purpose is meeting the pure purpose of the planet. So the more time that you hang out there, the more power, the more darkness is showing up in the core of your soul. So that that means your soul is going to increase its capacity to manifest its particular purpose in the world. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to understand that when you are hanging out there, you are naturally unfolding out of the dark more layers of purpose. Okay, so it's it's not like you just get there and it's and and it's one thing. It's an evolving thing. So darkness is giving itself to light. So awareness is becoming greater and greater. And that's really important because, you know, when say masters who took initiation in the 17th century in Tibet, right? They didn't have iPhones, and they, you know, like their capacity to connect with the dark was directly through awareness. But awareness didn't have all of its many different layers that it now has. So as civilization progresses and human consciousness grows and our cleverness grows, we develop more and more and more intelligence and we also develop more and more and more awareness. So we have to have much more sophisticated powers of purpose to penetrate it. Because the, 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 the absolute has always been the absolute and humans have always been able to contact it. But the huge danger now is that because we have become so intelligent and we and our minds have become so busy that the the the, the doorways um, close, those doorways of connection close, and the Shambhala impact is a time of a deep opening again of the connection to the absolute or to the power of the dark. So the big picture and our little picture comes back to our own journey of. Um, letting our best and worst, letting the fuel of the places that are still unsolarized in our own being come into the dark current, um, letting the, the cry go up. And, and it's a cry 
um, of the soul, anywhere where the soul is still imprisoned in body-mind, okay? We may have got free, the big chunks of our, of our soul from body-mind and be in awareness, but anywhere we've got pieces left. So these are the little pieces still crying out somewhere down in our being. You know, this is the pain in our knee, you know, if it's in the etheric body or it's in the emotional life or it's in, it's in our mind, some, you know, belief system, whatever, wherever the soul is stuck in body mind, you want to let it cry out. Not necessarily, in, you know, like in a, in, a, in a literal sense, but in a figurative sense, let the energy of its demand for help increase because that's the next five years. That's the global cry that needs to come. So it's impossible to call monadic energy unless you're at a very high point of tension. The second degree is taken at a very high point of tension, which is often the edge of suicide or the edge of existential crisis, or I'll kill myself unless something changes. It's like, it's that level of intensity that calls forth the monad. So, you know, because we each are humanity, we have those pieces in us. We have the, the desperate parts of ourselves that are locked and think they'll be stuck forever. We have those parts of us that want to go home, that want to call. And we also have the parts of us that want to live more and want to bring more life into our being. So because we're a fractal of the whole, as we do that work ourselves, we do that work for the whole. And then, and then as we come together in a group and we're able to blend the different soul ray energies of group and get to that pure white light going out through the, the core jewel with the help of the shamanic demand from nature, because don't think that the human souls are the only one imprisoned in body-mind or affected by humanity that is largely imprisoned in body-mind and the effects. Like there's great and growing cries from the, the spirit of the natural world. And they know that they can't appeal to humanity. They know they have to appeal to the same place we're appealing to, which is the life force at the core of our planet. But humans, because we're self-aware, we can make that call. Like the, the, the shamanic realms have to call through the human realms. So that willingness to not only allow that cry of our own being but to allow the collective cry to move through us and then to allow the dark to move through us so that those that aren't able to connect with that dark still that dark can come through intelligently and not intelligently because we're directing it but intelligent because we are intelligent and our very cry has carries intelligence in it just like, you know, when your knee cries out because it's in pain, that pain is intelligent. It tells your awareness where to look, where to focus, where to turn its compassion and its love and its listening. It's telling you here. So the same, as, as we intelligently allow that cry to move through us to the void, we're telling that void where to hit. We're telling it where to move and bring its energy of life and death. As always, like when transmissions come through, they're like, 
blown my mind in a hundred different directions at once. There's, there's so many things that like have lit me up about this uh, when I start to feel that energy that's available on the event horizon between awareness and emptiness and how powerful it is. Um, but maybe that's enough for now. And maybe we'll throw it open to questions, comments on, on this and then drop into what's alive in the field and what's synapsing between us. So. So open your mic if you're online and you want to speak or in the room. How does this impact you? How does it connect with your own um, experience in the dark this week? Can you, you speak up? I want to say that um, the image of the belief and the looking at belief in the mirror reminds me of quantum entanglement it's like that that's happening like in some way where the you know what we're seeing is, is also seeing itself but that just came up but I, I wanted to ask around like so Gaia as a being has she recognized her own origins so is she considered registered as a returning dragon as a being in a way that the world soul may not like we're still as a humanity collective yeah like not registered but as a being is it registered yeah, well, first of all, it has to be Gaia Uranus, like it has to be the embodied soul and the transcendent soul. And I feel like, well, the, the Gnostics would say that Sophia actually is, is the matter of the earth um, still vibrating with its origin in the center of the galaxy. That's what many of the Gnostics say. So I would say the dark in matter and then awareness knows its origin, but our matter and our consciousness may not. And so I think it's when our matter and consciousness register it and can align with it, then, um, yeah, then, then awareness moves between the earth and the center of the galaxy. And, and that awareness is what allows the, the ray of dark to come in. And also like what you're saying about the entanglement, because I was like, he bolded that line that, you know, uh, um, an object emanating a ray uh, into a pupil is identical and almost simultaneous with a dark ray passing out of the pupil into the object. So it's not like these things that cause or one causes the other, they are identical. So therefore, you know, entangled. Also makes me question like it feels like the matter is light and dark and like the consciousness comes up and the dark, pure dark comes down that there's a that's a polarity so it makes me feel like what's beneath between that like is there another you know an eye at the center of those well the thing is it could just be perspective because what Blavatsky said is that that real darkness is a blinding light but it's dark to us so maybe the array of pure light and array of pure dark are the same thing, just depending on whether you're looking at them from above or below. So maybe. I something similar come through in my meditation this morning, which was about the um, willingness to give up identity as a personality creates the monadic impact, which actually makes you have to, like you have the responsibility then of 
refining your personality of actually like being more of a personality so that the monad can come through it like reinforces the personality but yes. only once you give it up and the monadic energy comes through then then it's like the monadic energy comes through the personality out to impact others beautiful yeah like the the most powerful thing to the monad of earth is a developed intelligent deeply differentiated personality that's surrendered you know, like that's the most powerful thing. Yeah. So, uh, hey, this is Carter, by the way. I just joined the group. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's so eerie to hear this transmission because. Yeah, I was taken this weekend after the training to be alone and, and meditate. And as I went deep into, with more time and space, just went into the void, into the dark, and just suddenly so much electricity and just, just hit my body. And it was, I started, you know, almost felt like I was overdosing on some kind of intense medicine uh of just purpose of the things that it wanted to do through me just came roaring and then i had to shift into awareness just to be able to stabilize it because i felt my body and maybe my personality almost just really overwhelmed and i had to shift into awareness to allow the energies to weave and and harmonize um but yeah so it's just beautiful to hear this what's going on or what i what i experienced visually it's it's wonderful to hear it explained great well welcome and i look forward to talking about um black holes and quantum entanglement and stuff with you later he's a physicist which is handy to have in our field <laughs> um anybody else have something to share Hi, Bruce. I just have a question. Uh, it's more like a clarification, really, around uh, when you said that when we offer the best and worst, then we are basically giving them the directions as to where to hit. Um, did you mean yeah. that then it expands the best and dissolves the worst? Or did you mean something else about um, the dark then hitting those directions? That well, we're I think them? Yeah, that's a good question, you know, because the 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 Shambhala force doesn't distinguish between the best and the worst. It's us that does that. And because we're giving our intelligence to that energy, then we're, we're, we're basically like directing the missile, um, you know, to the elimination of our worst and the strengthening of our best. Um, so that's, that's really allowing the fuel that is the energy locked up in those uh, to use our awareness to give that fuel to the dark and you know but from the dark's perspective all it's doing is bringing life and death and that will just naturally shatter anything that's um, not able to handle that life and it will reinforce anything that is so um, yeah I think I think the that many people are finding when they're doing that that their best and their worst are deeply connected that they're actually two sides of the same thing that whatever their worst is is normally got a polarity which is their best so what will really be removed by the shambhala force 
is the any wound that's underneath that polarity rather than uh, the the polarity itself. And in a way, one of the ways that you know we could expect to see if if we are working with the dark more and more effectively over the next five years, we should see the cathartic result of the upwelling, particularly in the political and economic and other the deep structures of society, revealing the pieces that actually need to be swept away now. Um, and it's far more powerful than, you know, like whistleblowing or it, 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 it's actually a demand for those energies to come up, which are blocking the civilization emerging. Um, okay. Bruce, so I just, back. okay. Go ahead, Andre. Oh, so just, um, yeah, I, I had a heart pounding hit um, when you're talking about the offerings of awareness and life. And the hit that I was brought back to was the myth of the Garden of Eden and the two trees that were at the very center, which one way to put it is the tree of life and the tree of awareness. And Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree of the awareness, at which point God just shit his pants and said, if they eat of the tree of life also, then they will be equal unto me. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So it's actually, and probably the, the tree of awareness is really even uh, deeper than, uh, or less deep than that. It's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it's really when awareness comes down onto the mental plane, and our mind decides, you know, the best and the worst and what's good and what's bad. That's really when we exile ourselves from the garden. Awareness knows it's the way back to emptiness um, and therefore it knows its way to the tree of life. Okay, so how did the, you know, synergy calls go and who else has been getting something that is you know part of downloads that may have synaptic qualities to charge other people yeah i don't know if, if lear's if lear's on there too because we're we've been running so call. lisa's calling your voice lear if you're online we've been having a Fantastic time writing the crawls. There's so much comes through. Good. Hey, Leah. Hi, Rosalie. <laughs> um, yeah, it's phenomenal. Like, there's a phenomenal amount um, moving through the field. And I, I, um, so much in your download that um, is is hitting um, things that resonate. Um, so I'm not really sure where to. Um, yeah, what what's what thread to pull? But um, there's lots of diagrams, geometric stuff that um, I feel relates to like the splitting of um, uh, absolute monadic dark um, into the the three different rays. So um, that's alive for me right now. I'll put a diagram up um, and try and explain it a bit. Um, but yeah, these synergy calls are um, phenomenal. 
um, way of like, I, I feel like we're creating a bit of a, a mycelium network um, that, yeah, is really firing some um, synapse, uh, yeah, synapses and whatnot. So yeah, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say, but there's lots happening um, and I'm appreciative. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's more the quality of life that is coming through that enlivens us really than, than what to say. And, and as, as the field begins to work, we should, all of our jewels create a group jewel and that group jewel synthesizes all of the ray qualities of the souls so that there's just one column of dark coming in. We don't really then have to piece together all our individuals. It's like, we're all just receiving that one column in different ways. I know some other things that have been alive in the field and also in me is, um, that when you go monadic, you know, it's like going to a black hole, time and space are different. So if you can go to the core of your, your personality incarnations that have the soul at their core, and then many soul incarnations have the monad at their core, then you can kind of slingshot your awareness from the core monadic into all of your time and space at the same time. So it's not like we're not just bringing the dark into this time and space where we're passing it through um, all of our um, incarnations in time and space. So there's a lot of play with time travel that is Yeah, alive. that was exactly what we spoke about on our last call was that time and space and time travel. And that, but it feels like it happens on the call because there's a synergy happening. And it, yes, as we are said, it's like my ceiling network that once it's activated, it, there's so much more is there than each of us can hold individually. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, we're going to keep going and hopefully that will expand. Because, <clears throat> you know, I wonder, it, we have this idea of peak experiences so that we like, we're going through time and then we're on the mountaintop, we have a peak experience and we see a lot and then we go back to baked beans and movies and, you know, like we forget it. And so we kind of have this idea that a peak experience happens in time. But what if it doesn't happen in time? What if actually a peak experience is a warping of time and space to uh, a place that actually is not just a moment in time? So then what if like the Shambhala impact is coming in 2025 is not just a peak experience, it's actually like a portal in the time space of human evolution that is of far greater import because it's warp time and space for that time. So then we should be able to see the effects of it flowing backwards in time and forwards in time and because it's not in time, it's outside time, but it's impacting time at that point. So, you know, we can apply that to humanity and we can apply that to us individually. And then if we really get that technology, we should be able to begin to produce shambolic impacts and peak experiences in our own experience as a, as a result. So Philip, were you wanting to say something? Yeah, um, I just wanted to point to the different ways we all receive the downloads. So I had, I'm very visual and I'm really getting into like seeing whole scenes of things unfold, but there's not a lot of words. And then I saw one of download one download one of the downloads of John's, but he poured words, and it just made so much more sense the, vis the visuals I got. So I just wanted to encourage everybody to bring the songs, the visuals, the stories, because they're all interconnected, and there will be so much more sense making or much more understandable if we bring these different fractals together. Yeah, beautiful. 
I, I see Canada started to create an album for images and you know musicians um, bring the music. I can imagine you know that it, it said that in 2025 the next dispensation of the the ageless wisdom teachings will be given as a group and it will be itself a a, a transmission of the teaching. So that the, the the process itself is the transmission. So I'm, I'm imagining, you know, maybe there'll be a book that is also an album, which is also art, which is also vibration, which is also, you know, maps and diagrams. And so everything is really just the same thing. Color and sound and music and is all coming in different ways. And so if each of us, as long as we feel like we're in all, you know, like we're getting hit by life or dark, if we are unafraid to start sharing that, then it doesn't really matter what form it comes in, that we'll start to riff off each other and start to become aware of this being that's using many different expressions. So yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I feel like just quickly on that, um, I'm really getting a sense that the atomic is becoming radioactive. Um, so it's almost like um, we're starting to feel and get downloads from the atomic um, into our, our system as well. Great. Yeah, well, I got I got a little hint of uh, um, next week being that that energy that's coming through matter, like how how is that deeply affecting our awareness? So, yeah, I'm looking forward to what emerges in our field this week coming. I feel on that note, actually, I was not going to share, but I feel it's maybe on that note because I've been experiencing a lot uh, throughout this period, the last two weeks, um, that I'm, I'm constantly it, it, like as if there's an earthquake. Right. And so I'm listening, but it's like a subtle one, but it's always like um, clear to my body that oh, there's an earthquake. And it, it's all the time, so it, and more and more it comes. And especially when I lay in bed at night and just quiet, and then suddenly it just like starts and it, it continues and I'm kind of moving. It's like, it's my heart, it's my body, but it feels like the whole, like this whole island is slightly just, yeah. So like, anybody else feeling that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, half this group put up their hands. I don't know about the ones online. <laughs> So something's going on in matter too, right? So, you know, just, just a little touch in maybe to next week's theme is like, if the darkness at the core of awareness is unaware, so it's unconscious and it needs awareness to unfold it into layers of awareness, then the dark that's in matter also must be unaware. Like it's unconscious, it's not, it doesn't have intelligence, it has life at that deepest level. So that's like the black dragon underneath the red and the white that's chosen to sleep, that's chosen to be unconscious. But when it wakes, then actually it's not it that's waking, it's all of the matter on top of it that's waking. And that waking is going to bring a power up through matter that um, we, we haven't experienced before. But maybe the radioactivity. The radioactivity of the atoms, yeah. yeah. It's the power, the awareness coming through the dark. Yeah, and so 
therefore what you know most excites me and, and we're going to play with this friday is that it feels like working with consciousness and even our erotic energies is so like last civilization now you know like that's the tantric path of duality that if we were able to work with the pure dark underneath matter and the pure dark underneath awareness like what could the consequences of that be in our little experimental um field here and what ways may it point for for uh, evolution in the future okay so on that note thanks for being part of this um alive experiment in <laughs> making ourselves guinea pigs for the dark so um yeah have a great week <laughs>